Olad Podlings. I don't know why, but this is Olad Dark Podlings. <laughs> you can tell how old this little intro is. I didn't change it. No, I do enjoy that you've put it on letterhead. Yes, I made a letterhead for us. Like, oh my god, yeah. someone's a geek. I know I am. I'm such a loser. It's fine. Okay. Oh, welcome to Dark Arts and Crafts. I'm your host, Chris. And Bex. And today we're going to talk about none other oh. <laughs> than some criminal nuns. Okay, I already object. I don't think they did anything illegal. No, actually, they technically didn't do anything no. illegal. But if you go by the uh, quote-unquote rules of the nuns and like how the clergy works and all that, they they didn't stick to their uh, vows of... Yeah, but I wouldn't call that criminal. Criminal in the eyes of the church. Not necessarily criminal in the eyes of God because... Let's face it, the church are a bunch of swindlers in their own right. Oh, oh, oh Nelly, I got... Yeah. Buckle well, up. I, I put Sister Act in here a few times nice. as my notes. Yes. Um, what this story needs is Whoopi Goldberg. Before we get into that, though, the, the rules of nuns are, like, at least some information about how nuns function, because, like, not everyone is Roman Catholic, and they don't know things about nuns. I know, again, um, Sister Act is pretty much my exposure Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I've got, what, like, eight points to go through real quickly? So Ooh. first thing, sisters are slightly different than nuns. Okay. Yeah, so sisters live in a convent, and they provide services to the community. So Sister Act, aptly named because the quote-unquote nuns in that show are actually all called sisters, Sister Mary Clarence, Sister whatever. Uh, and like nuns are also called that, but you don't see them because they don't help the community. Okay. So nuns live in a monastery and they never leave. <laughs> right. So nuns are more like monks. Yes. They are isolated and they're dedicated to God. Uh, they get up, eat, pray, do domestic work and chores, repeat. So that eat, pray, love... Slotting is probably probably a nun's phrase. <laughs> Eat, pray, love. Done. They take vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. So, like, the terms married to Jesus and bride of Christ come to mind. I always really dislike bride of Christ. Because all that comes to mind is bride of Frankenstein, and that's a whole different episode. Uh, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> a very interesting section to do with becoming a nun. Num? <laughs> becoming num. Uh, interesting thing is to become a num. <laughs> <laughs> is this gonna be Jack Nicholson again? <laughs> no, that was great. I'm go, Jack. Oh my god. Okay, to become a nun with an N on the end. Enunciate. Enunciate your nuns. <laughs> uh, to become a nun, there is a multi-year application process to ensure you're committed. Because God only knows you don't want somebody to be like, yeah, I want to be this, and then uh, try to bail out. Turtle power. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, my, that was my cell phone. There is a massive storm happening right now, and my child's going to get off of school soon, so we're, I, I need to monitor that situation, so. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Turtle power. Yeah. I don't know if they actually will pick up on the do, 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 but that's the sound that it makes. And, and, and if you don't hear it, we will cut all of this out, and you won't hear any of this, so <laughs> meh. All right, so the multi-year process, aspirants is what they're called. They live outside the monastery, and they are to do tasks of community service and activities and to prove their devotion, and it's a step to becoming a nun. A postulant is formally 
moved into the monastery full time. They're not allowed to be called sister yet. There's a time frame of like a few months up to six months where they must inwardly focus and think on their relationship with God and their chosen commitment. Then they become a novice and the novice is officially accepted into the sisterhood. They start taking classes and training and they take their vows and this is the point in time where they can become Sister Mary Clarence or Sister Abigail or whatever they want to be. Sister Abigail is a WWE move. <laughs> Just so you know. Anyways, then there are... a additional ranks when they become a fully professed nun where they can eventually move up the ranks to become mother superior who is in charge of the monastery they are supposed to keep on their habit at all times except obviously when they're sleeping or you know taking a shower or something to that effect so it's kind of like the do not remove your helmet from the mandalorian oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i was gonna make a is that a habit Sort of yeah, it just it, felt it's like such that a was bad habit. Yeah, joke, but I said it anyway. Uh, they are not to have luxury foods. Uh, they are to recently limit their social media access. And it is interesting to note that religious leaders, particularly of the Catholic faith, do not take any such vows of poverty, chastity, or any of that stuff that you would normally see. And this includes priests, bishops, and cardinals, etc. Only friars, monks, and nuns adhere to these vows. Whilst the upper echelon of these groups make promises like politicians and don't necessarily actually keep them. This, I felt, became very important to know these little things going into the story. Yes. Then we can get into uh, the outlaw nuns. Do you want to take it from here? I have a lot of bullet points. Okay. Um, I have a lot of highlighting. That's how we roll here. Oh, yeah. By the way, I took notes. I took so many fucking notes. (laughs) Oh, so like our roles are reversed here because I just honestly... I lost track of time. Yeah, I have three pages of notes for the outlaw nuns. Okay, so this story goes way back in time to the grand old 90s, 1990. So so not like hugely recent. In my mind, it feels like that's 10 years ago because, you know, because I'm old. Well, I have it that the story actually starts in 1985. Oh, I suppose so. So a year before I was born. All right. There you go. I was riding my bike at that time. Anyway, so uh, we are in Belgium. And there is a group of Belgian nuns uh, in a monastery. And basically, so they are part of the uh, of a religious sect called the... Are you looking for their order? Yeah. The, their the order Those name Claire. is the Sisters of the Order of Poor Claire. Poor Claire. Yes. yes and the, the Poor Claire's. The nuns, there's eight of them, and their average age is 77. I believe their age range was like 65 to 92. Yeah, uh, 93. 93, okay. And the 93-year-old was Sister Agnes, who could not see, hear, or walk. And she rebelled. She still, <laughs> bless her, rebelled. So the monastery, is it a monastery? So it's this is where it was no. kind of funny. It yeah. says, they lived in a monastery, but they and they had little contact with the outside world, like actual nuns, but some of the descriptions that were lent to them leads them more into the sisters, like yeah. community-engaged sisters. Yes, because apparently the origination of the poor Claire sort of sect, they had to, they, they sustained themselves on donations and whatnot from the community. So I think so, there's always been some confusion yeah. on how sisters slash nuns work, because I thought they were synonymous, like it was just interchangeable, but, but it's not. So there's the sister sect that provides services, and then the nun set that just don't want none of that. <laughs> so... Two puns. They lived in a convent that was about 600 years old, and they had found out 
that the bishop and the diocese in general had put their, their convent on a list to stop sending new recruits to. So basically, that's the death warrant of a convent. It means that it's basically just going to die when they do. And they didn't quite like that. They, I, God love a loophole. They found a loophole. They were officially a not-for-profit. Uh-huh. And so under the rules of not-for-profit, they were allowed to change their own bylaws. And they went through all of that whole procedure and they changed their own bylaws, essentially giving them ownership to the convent. Well, the fun thing about that too is that under Belgian law, they actually already owned the convent outright. The bylaws that they changed allowed them to sell the contents of the building. Oh, Because right, yes. what they found out, like, not only did they get that order put in where they're not getting any new nuns, they also knew that the bishop was planning to sell their land to commercial properties and then sell off all of the relics inside for a profit. Yes. And we're going to, I'm going to talk about that bishop later because that bishop was a piece of Dick. fucking work. He's a garbage human. Anyway, so they ended up, they they didn't want to play nice. They were done with this whole nonsense. So they sold their convent and uh, some of the stuff inside, some of the relics. I have, I found two different numbers. I found for either 1.4 million or 1.6 million. I found a different number entirely as well. Oh, what did you find? It was interesting. I have another stupid pun on my paper, by the way. So, because I have the bishop had put an order in for a DNRN. I do not restaff nuns. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why, but I was really into hey, the, the no, funds. Hey, but I I'm found, uh, yes, so 1.4 million was one of the ones I found. But also on a French article, I found that they said that they sold their castle and the contents for 50 million. 50? 50 million. That's which comes into play a little okay. later on in the story, right? Because okay. there's also this dude named Ronnie Crabb. Yes. Yes. What a gangster name, by the oh. way. I like. I hadn't even finished reading the story, and as soon as I heard his name, I'm like, he's sus. Well, I don't know. I... <laughs> I'm on the fence about good old Ronnie. I, I feel he's sus, especially I, what he does later on in his life. So yeah. it, it kind of makes me feel... Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Getting ahead. <laughs> so they sold their convent. They got... I mean, essentially, it was going to be sold regardless. Yeah. Th- and they were going to be put out to pasture, and it was going to be sold. So they decided to fuck that noise. They're going to sell it. And they bought a fleet of Mercedes limos, racehorses, yeah. a chateau in the foothills of the french pyrenees yeah swanky cars cadillac mercedes a limo an ambulance and 11 resources i love them i love them so much uh, and they would go on to live in this uh castle with crab for yeah. for about five years yeah so as soon as the church uh, mr bishop found that out he got all worked up obviously and um went to the law and this is where things start to get a little interesting because not every because there are some people who believe that they did nothing wrong. Some people believe that they are morally corrupt and they broke the law and they stole all the money and yada. And yada, this yada. Is, comes back to the original conversation because technically, under Belgian law, mm-hmm. they didn't break any rules. They no. went to the letter of the law in order to get what was owed to them. Yes. And part of the things that they changed in their bylaw was to ensure that their profits when they died would be passed on to their family, not to the church. Yes. So in saying that, and going back to the vows that nuns take, they're mm-hmm. not supposed to indulge in luxuries, and they're not. And they're supposed to live in poverty. Yeah. So they didn't break Belgian law, but they did break the, the church oh, law. Yeah, the church yeah, yeah. laws. Yeah. 
What I did find interesting was the sect that they were from obviously was very focused on poverty, but they were not the only nuns of that sect to go a little haywire. Do you have that one too? I do. Yeah, I have it. Not the only outlaw nuns that month. That month. Oh, Like literally that month. Yeah. Because there's an article from the LA Times dated March 30th, 1990 that reported twin tales of mercenary nuns. Yeah. So this other group, um, <laughs> and like they're only twenty miles away. Oh yeah. So I think that they were probably they must have, must have been some communication. It's either that or Belgian nuns ain't nothing to mess with. Oh. <laughs> so that Mother Superior, and this is the thing, they there, there was a Mother Superior of that other um, convent that used to like smoke cigars and have a Mercedes and just wore fancy clothes wore fancy clothes it was just the kind of person I want to be when I grow up yeah and basically she turned her convent into a hotel well actually so she actually there is a statement that she got excommunicated and she's like fuck that noise no yeah I'm not leaving and then she had an inheritance so with her own money her own inheritance from like a rich uncle bought a wing of that convent and turned it into a luxury hotel and she had pink bathrooms. Yeah. I loved that part. I didn't look more into what happened to her. I don't know if you did. No, I mean, it's she... she it just sounds like she did this and that was yeah, that. The <laughs> church says that she's not a nun. She says, hells yeah, I am. And I'm living here and I bought it and it's mine. So... Yep. And she... What I find interesting, Mercedes seems to be a big thing. Yeah. So she had her own Mercedes and all that. And then the the group of outlaw nuns also bought Mercedes, which kind of makes me wonder if there was some emulation happening, or maybe at least some... Or conversations, because again, only 20 miles away. I I feel like, because in the 80s they had phones and stuff, so it wasn't like the dark ages where 20 miles was like actually a significant stretch. Yeah. 20 miles in the 80s is very similar to 20 miles now. It's like, just go down the road and have some tea. Totally. So it's like, it just doesn't seem unheard of that these ladies were in conversation with each other yeah Yeah. but going back to the main outlaw nuns we were discussing (laughs) yeah so clearly that like people are on either side of the fence and apparently this is quite the hot topic when it was happening oh yeah and like there was one journalist belgian journalist who wrote that 50 years ago they would have never defied their bishop in case they'd go to hell but the spirit of female emancipation has even penetrated the nunnery walls like this is a bad thing okay so i actually have a little pet theory sort of thing so i'm going to go on in a little bit of history here because there was also I'm going to tie into that female empowerment because there was also like some lesbian love triangle thing yes which is kind of like at the very end of the tale kind of deal but like wow but when you think about it so once upon a time women did not have a whole lot of choices Mm -hmm. they could most likely for particularly get married join a nunnery married or join a nunnery if you were a lesbian which would you pick hmm being around a bunch of women yeah, and there's no male oversight except the occasional bishop visit where they're like, have you been sweeping well? Have yeah. you been doing your prayers? So like, I actually looked it up because I'm that type of person. So there was a study done more recently and focused in on Western culture. Because we're dealing with nuns and whatnot, so mm-hmm. I felt like that was a reasonable focus. What was it? 89% of women polled in this study declared themselves as heterosexual. 11% as eh, mostly. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. There was approximately, let's say, I think it was about 1% were fully lesbian. And then you have a good chunk of more bisexual or leaning in that direction. And then you have asexual involved in there as well. So there's actually a 
decent percentage who would have absolutely no problem, or, or let's just say who would have a bigger problem getting forced into marriage. Yeah, they'd rather go live with and the ladies than, than, than live not. with the dude. So a lesbian love triangle in a convent is not the strangest thing to happen, I'm sure. It makes a lot of sense if you didn't have any choice. It's not just that either. Like, yes, there's a huge, I would think there would be a huge amount of people that, you know, swung both ways or swung towards the ladies more often and or you know sought god because also it was very chastised back then where like they would think that they were guilty of something and maybe went into the nunnery to repent for the rest of their lives because oh, they yeah. had these feelings so, so or, which is tragic in itself but or wanted to rebel against the current yeah, structure yeah or... the flip side of that the ladies again going back to how old they were on mm-hmm. an average the bishop later on when he made the attempt to take it back from them before he like Mm-hmm. Went, went really hard he did go to them and he tried to make promises saying we'll take care of you and we'll make sure that you are put into other nunneries or monasteries and these promises were one a little too late but on the other side if you've ever read into how these ladies are treated they have no benefits like they, they are so far removed from society and should be cared for by the church but they're not most of these women, when they get too old to continue on their duties, they're basically shoved into a corner to wither and die. They don't have access to medical attention. They don't even get to go into a hospice. They are literally forgotten about and are in pain. And then if they get cancer or anything like that, they are ignored. Well, and oddly enough, in the 90s, and you know, I have a funny feeling they weren't getting many new recruits because suddenly women had choices. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to the line and so less people were going into that lifestyle because they had other options that's my tangent where were we so the bishop went after them right yeah um and it was also around this time that we find out crab is a true gangster (laughs) so not like the good kind of gangster but like um there's a good kind of gangster yeah, I would think so. Okay, all right. Like the kind you idolize and shouldn't. <laughs> the like ones Sopranos? that are. Yeah. Right, <laughs> like, right, like right. these guys are cool. Anyway, um, but like Crab, his whole association with the nuns is that I think he was like a caretaker or something like that. And they he gained their trust. And that's why he ended up living with them in the castle for five years. Yeah. Uh, he had gained so much of their trust that he helped with the books and the finances and when they decided to do this he um certain sides of the fence where it was how much involvement he actually had like he was instrumental in convincing them or if he was uh just along for the ride and was just very supportive it's very unclear on what that actually looks like but we do know that he did help with the Mm -hmm. selling of everything and then later on it was found out that he swindled millions of dollars from them i didn't get that far okay yeah so he yeah he genuinely did swindle millions of dollars from them from the sale of the castle and the sale of the relics and when they found out about it initially they didn't actually care but when they parted ways with him they uh he wrote a book and he sold movie rights yeah so when he started doing that that's when they went after him so they actually didn't care as much about him swindling the money because maybe they just were like well we couldn't have done this without him yeah like it could be a finder's fee yeah so they were just like "Eh." like yeah 10 percent is the they were content with what they ended up with and i think that's kind of where that went but they did take issue with the book that came out Mm -hmm. that painted him as such a heroic light that saved them from everybody because they're like no dude we fucking saved ourselves exactly uh so yeah they took great umbrage taking credit for (laughs) what? what Crab did get arrested 
for his swindling, but the uh, charges were mysteriously dropped. Yes. And then, unfortunately, the sale of the convent was voided very shortly after that, and it was returned to the church. Yeah. And then the nuns were sent to go live in a retirement home. Well, see, that's actually... Okay, that's different than the information I found. Oh, what'd you find? No, I found that they their accounts were frozen and so they had to sell the the villa in France and then they bought a new place and they lived in a different sort of villa in Brussels. Oh, I want to live in that world where that came true. Yeah. No, and that's that was that's interesting though. I know. Oh, yeah. So that's totally different than Yeah, our my story kind of went downhill where the only person that had a happy ending was <laughs> happy ending. <laughs> the only lady that had a happy ending ended up being the um mother superior and the lady of all people that ratted them out oh see because i have here they returned to belgium in november 1990 where they purchased a villa in kaplan near antwerp i hope that's what happened because up to a certain point yours still jives with mine where like the the original sale definitely was voided so at some point i don't know if it was because of crab's testimony or what happened because like again his whole thing got dropped very mysteriously and then the original sale was voided. And because it was voided, that's what would have caused their accounts to be frozen. Yeah. And yes, they did have to sell their castle. Yeah. But the castle was to pay for the back pay of what had happened earlier. That being said, if they did have enough money after that sale to, to go on that. to that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not what was noted in mine. Mine was they ended up in a retirement home, and it was like, oh, well, that's sad. Huh. I'm, now I want to dig in more. It's, it's so funny when you see... Yeah, there's always Just, conflicting information on stuff. And I'm like, and, and I'm understanding on conflicting information for really old stories, but this was in the 90s. Yeah, you'd think that would be a little easier to track. Yeah. Um, there's some couple funny notes about uh, Mr. Ronnie Crab because yeah. when he wrote his book, quite a bit of the stuff I got regarding him came from the French article. Okay. <laughs> but the funniest one, yeah, so he wrote a manuscript which then a journalist named Douglas de Cognac wrote the book with. Mm-hmm. So there's some say on whether he, like, how much involvement he actually had with writing the book or not. But the funny part about this was at the launch party for his book, he stood out at his launch party because he came dressed literally in a sack of potatoes. <laughs> I don't know. But it was noted in that article that he was dressed in a potato sack. And it's like, okay. Odd choice. And then in 2014, he became a politician. Well, that didn't surprise me at yeah. least. But then he also um, didn't last very long because then they found out about his history with the nuns. <laughs> sorry, that made me want to vote for him more. I'm sorry. I, I know, but it was just really hilarious. Like, his trajectory was wild. Um, did we want to talk about the other dude in the story? The bishop? The dickhead? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Bishop so, Dick? Yeah. The bishop was, in uh, some of the articles I read, it's funny, when I was reading the articles, you had very polarizing opinions. Yeah, it was either we hate the nuns or we love the nuns. Exactly. Um, I'm on team nun. uh, Because the bishop, who is sometimes referred to as their nemesis, (laughs) which I'm like, if he's the the evil guy in this scenario, 100%. He uh, was the one who had made the decision to close the convent they seem to have butted heads throughout the years and well he sounded like such a money grubber uh yeah yeah he was and uh which is 
probably why they didn't want him in charge of It's also probably anything. why he's a bishop. And a, but um, did you read about what happened to him after the fact? I did not. Oh. So this will be news to me. Yeah, I've got a whole big thing here. Yeah, the only real information I have about the bishop is how he managed to, I, what's her name? Guillamine, Guillamine Lambrick. Uh, she was one of the nuns. She was the youngest of the nuns. She was the one that ratted on everyone. Mm-hmm. And that was like the last footnote about him was that he got her to tell him everything, which right. also contributed to the reason why they lost their castle. In 2010, at age 73, he became the first European bishop to resign due to child abuse allegations. Ew. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, he has such a warning. wonderful life, this man. Tr- has trigger led. warning is going to get pretty dark here. Mm. So, fair we'll, we'll pick it back up at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The church has been covering for him for 25 years. So maybe there's a reason why the nuns were like, fuck Mm -hmm. off, you disgusting prick. Yep, and maybe that's why they didn't want the money going to the church. And maybe that's why they broke their vows, is because the church had been covering up for decades this one individual. Um, Here's another reason for people declining to go into being a nun. The lack of faith in the church. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a conversation that was uh, secretly taped and leaked, uh, and one of the victims had gone to, I want to say a cardinal, and was told, oh, he's going to resign next year, so it's, it's better for you to wait. Um, I'd suggest you ask for a private apology and just not drag his name through the mud. Um, and to which the victim responded, I'm going to quote, he dragged my whole life through the mud from five until 18 years old. Why do you feel sorry for him and not me? Boom. Yep. Yep. So just like the nuns, fuck that. Within two months of this bishop resigning, 500 people, mostly men, claimed they had been abused. Was this like that big, big one that was like it everywhere was, in the news? Yeah, yeah. Like the big one, the one that like opened the floodgates. It was the first one that was admit. Like that's quite, that's quite that possibly, one. Quite possibly. Because that was um, the biggest one. Is like because for years people had always made like little giggles and laughs yeah. about how priests are pedophiles, but then there yeah. was like the one hit to it where it all flew open and that was when like the church fully lost it and I don't think ever got it back yeah um so the police uh ended up doing a raid and confiscated computers and documents uh first for proof that the church had concealed the evidence and the pope called the police action deplorable (laughs) the police (laughs) action was deplorable and that uh which pope was this uh, Benedict the oh, Of course sixth. it was Benedict. Yeah, 16th, rather. Um, like, Pope and, John Paul was awesome. Yeah. In my opinion, uh, John Paul II. Yeah. Um, yeah, Benedict was the one that everyone hated. Yeah. Now, this one makes me sick to my stomach. His quote, he denied being a pedophile and called his crime a little bit of intimacy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I need a shower. Yep. So, <laughs> Team None. Team None. Team none. No matter what, team none. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. So. Uh, so I brought that down real low. So I'm sorry about that. So let's bring that. it back up with okay. the lesbian love. Lesbian love. So the whole thing with the lesbian love uh, <laughs> is Sister Anna, who was the mother superior. There's some very interesting questions based on this because Guillemine Lambrecht, the one that I brought up earlier, 
She is the one that she was in love with. What ended up happening was that those two, they ended up living happily ever after on a farm near a stream. Oh, Yeah, it was so cute. Love that. Sister Anna either forgave her for giving them up and basically causing everything to go ass backwards, mm-hmm. or was she in on it? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a not really covered information but the thing is it's like okay yes so she went and told the bishop this was all happening at the same time as much as the nuns said that they were happy in their castle a lot of the reports about the castle said it was incredibly run down like even though it had a pool and tennis courts and like it had a bunch of stuff in it their castle being really run down it had no running water the electricity wasn't working the place was crumbling around them i kind of feel like they might have thought it would be easier to maintain And then, you know, they lived there for five years. Maybe at one point they had a conversation with said young nun. Mm -hmm. And maybe Sister Anna's like, yeah, we kind of want to get out of this dump. And maybe they devised a whole nother plan. Because I find it so immensely difficult to believe that she could forgive this lady and fall in love with her. Yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, and it's... It's funny because you tend to think of people who devote themselves to like like the nuns and the monks and whatnot to not be particularly conniving or anything like that. But there's no, no like you know. Well, they they're, did. They're, they're tend to be educated individuals, uh, and they have all the time in, in the, the world. world. So if exactly. yeah, they've got hours to devise oh, and plan yeah. and scheme and. I don't know. Sister acts showed they're quite cunning. Yeah, I like it. Because, you know, like, movies are accurate. (laughs) But, no, I like to meld your Mm storyline ending for the nuns with this one because it means that they had money to set up all the other seven nuns to live out their lives healthy and cared for. And then Sister Anna ran off with her love of her life and lived on a farm near a stream. That's beautiful. Go team nun. Go team nun. And so I guess in conclusion, uh, nuns from Belgium are a little bit different. I am not a religious individual, but I'm down with that. I love your chocolate. I love your nuns. (laughs) So I I guess that's it. So insert awkward ending here. Pizza power. Prefacing this, there's there's family <laughs> drama and cell phones going off because there's the apocalypse happening outside <laughs> the window, so there might be some odd texts from stranded children. <laughs> that no you're worries. not coming to get, you're just listening no, to their pleas. Just monitoring. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I hear your alive. cries and they go unanswered. <laughs> Are we recording right now? Yes. Amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, cool. Uh,